You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Rachel Balkebeck has entered her first year as a minor league hitting coach with the New York Yankees. She is the first woman to hold that title in the history of professional baseball and is joining three other women that will be in uniform this season in various roles. She joined the Yankees after completing her second master's degree in biomechanics and statistics in the Netherlands. While in Amsterdam, she served as an assistant hitting coach for the Netherlands national softball and baseball programs and went on to complete her research at the world leading baseball performance research facility in Seattle, driveline baseball. Previously, She was in several roles with the Houston Astros Strength and Conditioning Department. She completed the 2018 season with their AA affiliate, Corpus Christi Hooks, and served as Latin American coordinator in her first two years with the organization. The first time she made history in professional baseball was in 2014 when she was hired as the first full-time strength and conditioning coach in the role of minor league strength and conditioning coordinator for the St. Louis Cardinals. She also worked in apprenticeship roles for LSU, the Chicago White Sox, Arizona State University, Los Tigres de Lice Baseball, and Exos early in her career. The Omaha native is a former NCAA Division I softball catcher and has special interests in organizational structure and behavioral psychology in relation to coaching. She also has an undergraduate degree in exercise science, a master's degree in sport administration from LSU. And without further ado, welcome to the show, Coach Rachel Balkovet. <laughs> Thank you. That was wonderful. That was, ooh, that was a challenge. You did a great job. <laughs> oh, yes. We won't tell people that I had to redo that a few times. Oops, I just did it. Anyway, uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Um, I mean, you just cover, you just did a phenomenal job of covering it, but yeah, I just, um, grew up in Omaha and have been in sports for about 10 years now before, uh, before my career as an athlete in college as a softball player and have spent most of my time in professional baseball at this point, but, um, started out in the college ranks and kind of still at heart, I consider myself a collegiate coach more than anything, um, in my mind that is, and just kind of, uh, been in professional baseball for seven years in various roles. So yeah, you did a great job starting it off. So you covered quite a bit. I'm happy to answer <laughs> any more questions in depth though. Yeah, I've, uh, I've got a question kind of, um, you've transitioned, like you said, you spent most of your time to baseball now, but uh, you got your start in strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. So when or how did that transition start mm. taking place? That's an awesome like question I think could take an hour or five minutes, but I'll try to (laughs) get somewhere in the middle there. But um, more or less, I just, I think I've always had, I'm a very big picture person and I've always had like the leadership gene in me. Like, I mean, when I was 12, you know, I was like, 
I was the girl on the team that was holding people after practice for extra reps. And (laughs) I was like the girl in high school that was holding the team meeting, you know, and um, I just have always had the leadership gene. I think a lot of strength and conditioning coaches relate to that because as you know, it's kind of the nature of the biz. You're up early, you have this like discipline about you and you, you want to instill that in the players. And so I've kind of had this itch to get into a situation where I could be in more of a leadership position. Um, and of course you can be a leader in the weight room and you can be a leader in the department of strength and conditioning, but obviously as Pat knows and talk about a podcast with an administrator, um, it just is, you're always going to be at the mercy of the person, you know, kind of sitting behind the desk. And so I thought, well, maybe I just want to be the person behind the desk. <laughs> so um, I did get a master's degree in sports administration because I thought at some point I would want to be an athletic director. Even early in my career, I thought that. So this is kind of, for me, transitioning out of strength and conditioning into um, an on-field performance role is actually a step. It's probably going to be a long step because I have plenty to learn in this role. Um, but it's a step towards probably at some point being in the front office for a professional baseball team. Um, and so that was definitely a huge part of it. And also just wanting to get a clear picture of evaluating players, um, evaluating coaches so that when it does come time and I am in an administrative role down the line in my career, I can have a better understanding of what it means when a player is in a slump for 15 games and, you know, what that feels like as a coach and every avenue that you're going down and trying to figure that out and kind of those struggles and those trials and tribulations and just getting a closer eye of evaluating players. Cause obviously that's something that's very important in professional sports. And so all those things combined, I think kind of led me to this path. And, um, I had excellent mentors with the Astros specifically in hitting. And I mean, those guys were my best friends and actually they came from, um, the coordinator for the Astros. He was, his name is Jeff Albert. He has a master's degree in kinesiology. So the hitting department was very heavy in just understanding the body and kind of just, they were all kind of meatheads, but they're, you know, hitting coaches, but they're all in the weight room lifting and Olympic (laughs) lifts and doing that. So I had never really experienced coaches, sport coaches that were so invested in understanding the human body. And so my my current boss with the Yankees who hired me, Dylan Lawson, he was a hitting coach with the Astros. So he was, he went over now, now he's the coordinator for the Yankees. And as I was getting my second master's degree in Europe, he was like, Rach, you should think about being a hitting coach. And I was like, well, I'm already kind of thinking about it. So, so it kind of lined up in that way. That's kind of how it specifically went down with the Yankees is that my boss has a degree in kinesiology and has a background in a strength and conditioning mind, if you will. So he doesn't really see me as any different than anyone else he would hire, you know? So that was, that's kind of how it, it got, it went down specifically with the Yankees, but yeah. Great question. So I'm looking at your bio again, and I'm I underlined a few words: biomechanics, mm-hmm. statistics, research, organizational structure, behavior psychology, mm-hmm. exercise science, sport administrators. Like, I believe your background makes sense to you, and you just explained <laughs> a lot. You just explained a lot. You have a, a supervisor that probably thinks very outside of the box. Yes. But I don't think that's common. So how do you battle? Because, and you also said it in your last answer, you were kind of preparing for the future. So you were laying a foundation of education and and knowledge Mm -hmm. so that Mm -hmm. you had other opportunities in the future. 
even though you are still currently doing what you really like doing and that you're good at. So how do you, uh, and the, for the people that are out there, because if you're, sometimes they just want the strength coach to be a strength coach, the hitting coach, just be a hitting coach. And you have all of these things in your bio. Is that challenging? Do you find that that can be a roadblock for you? Is it intent? Like I have probably 10 questions off of that. Yes. I think you know where I'm going. So I won't ask all of those questions. I think, think yeah, I mean, I'm laughing like, uh, yes, it's a roadblock. Um, and, and I'm laughing because you said like, my bio does make sense in my head, but when you read it, you're like, what, 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 like, what's going on here? Like just, you know, she has career ADD or, you know, what's the deal. (laughs) So basically I, I mean, I just, again, it's like, I, I view the way that I can describe it is I view my time and strength and conditioning as my undergraduate degree. Now in my career, I'm getting my master's degree. I'm getting a little bit more specific. I have a, you know, cause like when you're in your twenties, to be honest with you, I look back and I'm like, I had no idea where I was going to, you know, end up. And, and now probably when I'm in my forties, I'll look back on my thirties and go, I had no idea what I was going to do, you know? But so my, my strength and conditioning career, I would view that as my undergraduate, you know, degree. And then I'm like, okay, now I know what I really want to do. And this is my, my hitting career, which is not going to be the end. I'm not, I'm not finished with my career by any means. And so eventually I'll get a PhD and that'll be my, you know, the next phase. And I don't, I think the difference between me and a lot of people is I don't like cling to one identity at at all. Like in my personal life, my professional life, whatever it is, I don't cling to one thing. And I don't think that I have to be one thing. Whereas I think when people specialize, they go, okay, I'm a strength and conditioning coach and this is what I have to be. And this is what, and that's how everyone should be too. Cause I got, I got shit when I would want to go, when I was, was a strength and conditioning coach and I would want to go be in the hitting meetings or the pitching meetings and, and learn more and, and sit in the analytics meetings with the analysts. They'd be like, why do you want to go hang out with those nerds? And I'm like, because I want to be (laughs) well-rounded, you know, I want to be a well-rounded coach and I can be better, especially as a strength coach, you're serving every other department. So I, I can be better if I understand where they're coming from, what they're thinking. So any chance I got, I was sneaking into the hitting meetings, the pitching meetings, and just understanding what was going on in other departments. But I've always, I've always been like that. And I think that was from early mentors in the strength and conditioning field. They would always say, like, I had some really early mentors that were like, don't be a guru. You know, don't just be the, you know, periodization guy. Like, don't just be one person. And I'm really grateful for that early mentorship because they're like, you need to understand everything. And I was like, you know, like you said, a biomechanics and I'm like this really big movement nerd. I can talk biomechanics with the best of them, but I'm also a product of LSU and I'm a super meathead and I like to lift heavy weight. (laughs) I'm not one or the other. And, you know, a lot of strength and conditioning coaches fall to one side or the other. And I'm just not, I'm not one thing at all. Not in my personal life, not in my professional life, nothing. So I'm definitely pretty big on like not clinging to one identity because that makes you fragile realistically. And there's even like a, I mean, the, the fact that I just said the word fragile, um, there's a book called Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb and he talks about being robust and that makes you anti-fragile. If you have different avenues to be able to go to, it makes you anti-fragile. It makes you able to succeed in a chaotic environment where you need to call on different skill sets, different you know, personalities, different different like abilities to communicate with different types of people. 
it just makes you able to, I want, I don't want to say survive, but it makes you able to thrive in a multitude of different areas. So that's kind of the idea behind my professional journey, but also that's how I operate just in life. Like I don't, I want to be able to, to thrive in many situations. Yeah. And with the amount of, let's be real, the ego that comes in professional sports, do you Mm. get other coaches or administrators or or other professionals or even some of the players? Do you, do they ever kind of hint at you to stay in your lane? Like, does that, (laughs) does it cause any issues? (laughs) Oh, let me think. Yes, it does. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but, but thankfully like, and I'll just, the, I'll credit the Astros because there are many organizations that were like that. And I, I won't name the organizations that were necessarily, but like <laughs> the Astros, they were like, great. Like a strength coach is here. Great. What do you think about this? What, you know, what do you see? Um, you know, and I just, I was taken aback by how grateful they were, but that was also because again, like the hitting department they're they're most, I mean, I think the hitting department with the Astros had four or five guys that had their degrees in exercise science. So they were like, great, strength coach. That's, you know, like we can, we speak the same language. They'd be in our office asking questions and back and forth. Pitching department was the same thing. Uh, they were very tuned with the body, very like supportive of strength and conditioning. So when I was in their meetings, they were grateful, you know, and, and by the way, nerds are always grateful when any, <laughs> I say that lo- lovingly, <laughs> when any staff member comes into an analytics meeting or an administrative meeting, they're always thankful because there is this big separation between, you know, the front office people wearing the suits and the, and the, you know, coaches wearing the sweatsuits. <laughs> so, yeah. so there's definitely a separation. So when I would show up to their meetings, by the way, dressed appropriately, dressed like them, you know, we carry my briefcase and my computer and sit down. They're like, huh? Huh? Like they, they were grateful. So I definitely, you know, it took me going and try and immersing myself and, being willing to learn from them, but also it definitely took them being open-minded and going, great, so glad to have you here instead of, hey, stay in your lane, get out of this meeting, you don't belong here. So it was a co-creative process for me to be mentored by so many people in the front office and the hitting department, pitching department for the Astros, but it really shaped me and allowed me to learn, you know, to take the next step and just honestly inspired me to take the next step and kind of push me down that line of, of transitioning out of strength and conditioning and getting into a different position. This podcast is sponsored by Soranex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Soranex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And speaking of that different position, can you explain what it is that you do as the hitting coach? What does your day look like? Um, What is that about? I mean, I I don't feel much different. I know externally, it seems like people think it's like a big deal, but I'm just coaching, you know? And so my day is 
pretty similar. I mean, actually, I wake up a little bit later than the strength and conditioning. <laughs> That's a so, perk. Yeah, or I, I don't, probably don't wake up later, but I have a, a later schedule and it allows me some more time in the morning to work and read. Um, but basically, I like show up. We have like a coach's meeting where we discuss what we're going to do that day. We discuss certain players, what's going on with them. And then I go, instead of going in the weight room, I go in the cages. And then we prepare for the day. We set up the machines or the whatever, you know, we set up the equipment and wait for the players. Players come in. We have a whiteboard talk. We are, uh, we do some, we do an education piece for our players every day and present to them on certain topics, whatever that might be. You know, we explain the, like, I, it is the same thing as, as strength. It's coaching, right? It's just, it's teaching. It's, it's disseminating information and getting people to buy in. And it's really similar. Now I just do it in the batting cages and not in the weight room. And kind of going from one male dominated industry to another, or I mean, all athletics kind of is, is male dominated. Um, but especially strength and conditioning and baseball, have you had, I'll ask the elephant in the room question, um, <laughs> have any of the players, have you seen any pushback or has there been kind of a stigma around having a female coach? Um, you know, I, I think oh, I, there's a, there's definitely, whenever I enter an organization, there's definitely a bit of like curiosity surrounding me, which is fair, right? Like I think mm -hmm. I probably used to be offended by that or I just didn't take it as well but now I'm just like okay I it's new it's change I don't like right. change you don't like change and Pat you don't like change either we're <laughs> because we because literally like from a physical standpoint right homeostasis that's what we try where our body's like trying to stay in homeostasis and so I think I've just become so much more empathetic over the years both with players and coaches where when something weird might happen or I don't get the respect that I air quotes deserve because we all should have to earn it. And I'm, and I'm thankful that I have to earn it more than other people sometimes, but I just don't worry about it. You know, I'm different and, and change is tough for everyone. But in this situation, I, I literally am the change in their environment. And so I have to be empathetic to the fact that like, okay, is he talking to me weird because I'm a girl or is it because he had a bad day or is it because like, I'm just trying yeah. to be pathetic, let them get used to me um, and just really build relationships. And for me, sometimes that just takes a little longer because they might have their own, you know, misconceptions or whatever about what that's going to look like. Um, but realistically, like overall, I want to say that I've had so few bad interactions with players over the years. Um, I mean th that I could probably count on one hand and you got to think by this point, I've probably worked with well over a thousand professional baseball players and I can count on one hand the amount of times that I've had like a direct bad interaction for two reasons. One thing is that doesn't happen to my face. It happens in the locker room. It happens in chat rooms. It happens, you know, whatever behind closed doors. And also I, I mean, I don't give myself all the credit, but you know, just like anyone else, I call this a five second rule. You should know everything you need to know about a person in five seconds, right? You walk up and we all do this. This is like, this is psychology. This is not my opinion. You walk into a room and there's a person in the room with their head down, their hood up, their arms are crossed and they're wearing headphones. Are you going to go like strike up a conversation with that person? No, because you've already evaluated likely what's going on with them. They don't want to talk to anyone, right? So this is the same thing with me when I walk into a room as a coach with a bunch of male players. 
they might have an idea about me based off of like my physical appearance, the fact that they understand that I'm a woman and I'm different or whatever. But as soon as I like open my mouth to talk and I'm covering a whiteboard and I'm commanding a room and I'm like, all right, and you guys are here, you guys are here, this is what's going on, blah, 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 blah. Like, they're like, oh, within five seconds, they probably have a pretty good idea that I am there for business. And so it's just, it's silly to think like I can, I I mean, just speaking candidly, only twice in my entire career of seven years in professional baseball, two times have I ever been like directly hit on by a player. And I just think it's because those players would hit on like a table. You know, I don't think it's like (laughs) my point. My point is like, I don't invite, I don't invite definitely not that type of conversation, but I also just command a room and so I don't invite there is no opportunity for them to like really disrespect me or ignore me or whatever there's not a lot of room for that and especially after I'm in an organization for more than a few months and they've seen me work and go about my business and also how the other coaches interact with me and how I interact with other players so at the very beginning of getting into organization there's a little curiosity there's a little you know they're testing the water they're seeing what I'm all about, but that goes away pretty quickly. And I've had just so few poor interactions with players over the years. You mentioned two things just now I wrote down and one I'd never heard of before. You said you're thankful that you have to earn respect. hundred percent. And I want you to break that down, but I can, I can attest because I've, I've been in your presence and I know that you can command a room. So do those two things, how do you use, do that? How do you make them work together or do they work together? And, and because I think this is something our listeners need to, they need to hear from you. Um, I, I like to surprise people, you know, and anyone who has been discriminated against or is the minority in the room. And I like, I, I mean, Pat, I don't, I don't think I need to beat around the bush. Like, I'm not sure what you've gone through in your career, but I can just imagine that maybe you've had to earn something more than somebody else. I don't, I don't know for sure, but anyone who's had to, to, you know, work a little harder than anyone else. I just think there's two types of people, right? One person is like, this isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. And trust me, I've fallen into that victim mentality, just like everyone else somewhere along my career, especially when I was first getting in and I was really getting discriminated against blatantly. I was like, this isn't fair. And I was feeling sorry for myself. I never quit. But I look back and I'm so glad because I had to do extra stuff. And that extra stuff made me better. So like sometimes I hear about some guy, you know, some male strength and conditioning coach that's coming right out of college and gets this good job, you know, a good, pretty good job for a young person. I'm just like, that sucks for you. Cause I had to fight my way. And through fighting, I got all these extra experiences and I knew I, I knew I had to be better than everybody else. And that wasn't always fair, but even in the moment, even in doing that, it was like this source of pride, like, okay, fine. You can discriminate against me. Like, I'm just going to be undeniably great. And then you're going to have to hire me someone will have to hire me because they're going to have to be like, good Lord, this resume is so much better than everyone else's. Like we just should probably talk to her, you know? And I just am thankful. Like sometimes I really just think to myself, wow, you weren't discriminated against, you know? Oh, that sucks for you. Cause that really, you know, it, it fortified me, fortified my resume, but obviously it also like from a mental standpoint, fortified me and made me 
you know, question, do I really want to do this? How bad do I want to do this? What is this about? Because I definitely at points, I just thought to myself, you know, there's some other girl out there that's going through the same thing right now and she's going to quit. So it's my job to fucking do this. 100%. And I like that actually leads me into my question that um, I hope you can speak on for a few minutes and really take it as long as you want. But you and um, actually a former podcast guest of ours, Jen Widerstrom, mm -hmm. are starting a female executive mentorship program. I think you said it starts this fall. Yeah. Um, can you tell us how you guys are kind of paying it forward for those girls who want to quit um, or, you know, are just essentially taking your experiences and helping next generation females? Yeah. Um, Jen's so awesome. Okay, so Jen and I met at Summer Strong last year and just, I actually came home. I came home to Amsterdam. That was my home at the time. And I listened to her podcast on like your, your podcast with her. To just oh, really? learn a little bit more about her. Cause I was like, this chick is really cool. Like she's like really down to earth and she knows her shit. And she's just this like, you know, and I listened to your podcast with her and I learned she was from the Midwest and I'm from, I'm from Omaha. She's from Chicago. And I just learned some things about her. And I was like, I think we're going to be friends. Like I didn't even, and I didn't even <laughs> contact her. I didn't even anything. And we linked up again and just, we just have had so many similar experiences, different journeys in our careers. Um, but so many similar experiences that many women have shared. And the thing that we've talked about is just, I'm so grateful for the men that have supported me in my career. And I would be nowhere if it wasn't for men being open-minded and supportive and wanting to uh, welcome me and include me. Um, but I, I definitely have felt at times I'm like, God, I wish I had a woman mentor that I could call on and just be like, Hey, have you been through this? Is it cause I, I can't do that with a lot of the male mentors that I have. So, so, and Jen has said the same thing where she's like, I'm so grateful for all these men, but we just, I wish we had female mentors along the way, especially in those early times of just like, you're kind of, you're getting into it. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, and so we basically decided to start an event um, based company. It's called FEM. So female executive mentorships. And it is exactly for that, for women who are either in a male dominated industry or that are high up whether that's a C-level position or in any kind of management position where even if you're not in a male-dominated industry, once you get into that room, you usually are still, you're in a male-dominated room, let's put it that way. Right. So we wanted to create an event that is going to basically, you know, create support for women who are kind of into their careers, but looking to take it to the next level or just looking for mentorship um, and and camaraderie with other women that are kind of in that same position. So it's going to be a very small event application only. We're going to cap it at 30 women. We want it to be very intimate where you go over the weekend and it's not like there's 500 people there and you, you have these 10 second conversations and whatever. It's like, you really get a chance to talk to the speakers that are going to be there, which are currently Jen, myself, two CEOs. And then we have some other people talking to, but it's a little weird time. So we're, <laughs> trying to trying to sort that out. Um, so anyway, basically, you're going to come to this event and get really, you know, deep conversation with not only the speakers, but also other women who are in your same position, because that's, that's tough. Sometimes you if you're a female C CEO, you know, there are other female CEOs out there, but how often do you just run into those people, you know, so we want to put a lot of people in the same room that, that have shared experiences, and also women who have been through it, you know, and could kind of walk people through it. So, I mean, it's going to be personal development, 
whether that's relationships or just understanding your purpose in your career, professional development through, like I'm going to talk about negotiating a contract and what it feels like to ask for double the price that you've been offered and, and like how to get confidence to ask for that. Um, and so just, I mean, it's going to cover a, a wide variety of topics, but the event is just centered around creating an opportunity for female mentorships for females that are, you know, doing big things with their career or wanting to do big things. So that's kind of the, the idea behind that going off in hopefully in November, but we might be thinking about January or even November, 2021. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. Can't yeah, wait. Can't yeah, wait. If, if people, because you said it's by application only, if people are interested in either like applying, are applications available yet or how is that? Uh, well, our applications were going to be available April 1st. However, we've pushed that back. <laughs> so if I would just say if anyone's interested in just like being notified when those applications open, uh, you can reach out to me or Jen. But um, I think I'm probably pretty accessible well, we're both pretty accessible, but my, my website is rachelbalkovec.com and you can easily get to my email from there. Um, that's where the best way to contact me is through email. Uh, I'm also on social media. Mostly I live on Instagram. That's uh, rachel.balkovec. I'm a little bit on Twitter. So if you can, if you can spell Balkovec, you can find me pretty much anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I think you did a great job of wrapping that up. I think that's a great place to end with how people can find you and, and get involved in the female executive mentorships with uh, you and Jen Widerstrom. Um, but this has been a great episode, not only just for our female listeners, obviously, but for all of our listeners, I think it's going to be a really, really great listen for everyone involved. Well, thank you guys. I, I think this is just a phenomenal, beyond sets and reps. I love it. I love, let's get beyond the X's and O's and talk about some more personal stuff. I appreciate you putting out this content and I'm glad you had me on. Thanks coach. Thank have a good one. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.